so please Avengers don't sue us, we don't have money. <laughs> that stoners will be stoned. And then the car just floors it and it's just, it gets like the hell out of there real fast. It crosses like a medium. Remember how I explained there's a difference between, oh, haunted house scream and a, I am about to die scream. Well, I believe that this is more of a I'm about to die scream. Michael kicks the door, the driver's side door open, hits the gun, she flips it around and blows her own brains out. I'm like, are you kidding me? No problem, Ryan Reynolds. Anything for you. Empowering herself with the power of penis, Yes, yes, it's very weird. If you are in a haunted house that has the walls covered with oil, that should be a red sign. This is a haunted house, not a goddamn O'Reilly's auto parts. This can only be one of two things. It's either a video game world, kind of like GTA, or it's Detroit. Yeah, when you turn on the serial killer that you were interviewing for your news reporting TV show, yeah, you're kind of fucked. No, but I can read the dollar menu at McDonald's. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Tyler's Thursday Takes. Coming out on a Thursday, I'm actually recording this beforehand, so we got time to actually work on this. As you could tell from today's title, we will be reviewing the 2016 movie Hush. Hush is a movie about a deaf girl who has to try to survive the night being stalked by a serial killer. It has a whopping 6.6 IMDb rating, and its popularity is not that high, sitting at 1271, but you can kind of expect that from a movie that did come out five years ago. I do like this movie and the fact that they were able to have such a small, limited cast, and when I tell you limited cast, this movie contains five different characters and six if you include the cat, and I do, so six. So our main character is going to be Maddie. She is both deaf and mute and a writer. She has written many books. And she basically lives in a house by herself out in the middle of nowhere because she's secluded. We have John and Sarah, the neighbors next door, Max, her sister, and the man. <laughs> that is strictly his name. It's just the man. If you are wondering where you can watch this movie along with the podcast, you can watch it currently on Netflix. It has um, it has won a couple awards. It has won the iHorror Awards in 2017 with Best Direct Release Horror. It has also won a Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Award in 2016 for Best Independent Film. So it has a couple of achievements under its belt, so it's not like it's by any means kind of ignored but why don't we go ahead and uh, get right on into it so like I said at the very beginning of this episode we are following a deaf mute girl who is an, a writer she writes stuff it opens up on her kind of you know cooking and everything making it an all fancy schmancy but as she's working on making everything so fancy schmancy uh, a little something happens That's right, she gets a notification. I know it's not anything big or fancy or anything like that. Sorry, the first audio clip was a letdown. 
But I, the first thing I thought was, why does she have the audio on for notifications? She can't hear it. But basically what that was, was it was a message from her friend, the, the neighbor Sarah, and she's coming over and she walks up to the house and this is the very first thing she does. Hi. Uh, I finished your book. That's right. She talks to the deaf person. Like, you know she's deaf. You know she doesn't talk. And yet the first thing you do, you're like, well, howdy there, neighbor. I mean, yes, she can read lips, and she knows that she can read lips. And it's just funny. It's like, I wouldn't go up to a blind guy and go, up top, my guy, and he's deaf. <laughs> it's just not going to work. So I thought that, that was a little weird. Anyways, they get talking. They get distracted. She talks about how she has this kind of, it's called a writer's brain, where she can think of all these different scenarios, which, foreshadowing, foreshadowing alert, everyone. And so she has this writer's brain where she can think of different scenarios. And as they're sitting there talking, Sarah notices that there's something in the background and it's like flashing really, really quickly. So yeah, the fire alarm goes off because don't start cooking stuff and then go outside and talk to your neighbor for an extended amount of time. Also, I'm really sorry if that came off really loud. I tried to tone it down a little bit, but I'm sorry if it didn't. Anyway, so now that she's basically burned the house down almost, uh, at the end of that clip, the cat like bolted. So immediately you could tell the cat's kind of like the smartest person in this movie so far. So basically, the friend leaves, she's walking back to her house and all that, and it's real secluded, like the next house is probably, it's out in the woods type of houses where nobody's around, and perfect horror movie house, some would say. And so now, she kind of has a boyfriend who is an ex, and she starts texting him, or thinks about it. Anyways, he's inconsequential, he, for no reason he's in here, just, it's part of the movie. And so now, she starts trying to go back to write, and I recall a little while back, this question circling around the internet of, do deaf people think in words? And to myself, I'm like, yeah, they have to, they understand what words are, but she did also lose her hearing and the ability to speak at the age of 13, so she does have it in her voice, and it sounds a little something like this. She's happy. Not working. Not working. Something brighter. Wide, endlessly patient eyes. They twinkle with red, blue, and yellow light, just as the damn Jesus fish had when it pulled him out of the fog and into hell. So yeah, inner voice, able to kind of talk to herself. whoop de doo da day. Anyways, since she has all her burnt food in the kitchen, she decides to start cleaning it up, and as she's sitting there... Uh, she has a bit of a visitor come running up to the door, which, mind you, the door is, like, five feet away from her, just slightly in her peripheral. So she has to be not paying attention at all. Hey! 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 
So as you can tell, something's going wrong with Sarah. Something really bad is happening. And uh, the thing is, she is very dead set about trying to get this door open and decides not to try to get in through any of the other doors. She just sits there banging. And she explains during the fire alarm, oh, I need vibration so I can feel it. I, you can tell, like, here, just, just one second, just, I'll be real quiet, just listen. That's vibrations, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this on anything, you heard the vibrations from that. And that was just me lightly tapping on my desk. I'm pretty sure she could feel it if someone's banging on her door. Like, you could feel it. But I guess she's doing dishes and she somehow doesn't. But, now you find out why she was panicking so much. So the guy in the mask proceeds to stab her a bunch of times, which I cut off a little bit early because you don't need to listen to the gruesome stabbing of this poor woman who was just trying to run away. But it is, it's shown earlier in the movie that she puts her phone in her back pocket. And I was watching this with my girlfriend and she pointed out to me, she's like, doesn't she still have her phone? For the sake of the movie, we're just going to go with the fact that maybe she dropped it <laughs> because... Maybe she pulled it out and dropped it. Anyway, she didn't use her phone. She doesn't have her phone. And so we're just going with the fact that she dropped it. And so now the the guy who just killed her, he's like, why is this lady not watching me stab her? Like she's shouting and she doesn't understand what's going on. And he realizes she can't hear nothing. So he's like, oh, this will be fun. And just about a couple minutes into this, he opens up the front door as she's sitting working on her book again. And he's standing right behind her. And I'm 10 minutes into this podcast, and he could have ended her 10 minutes into the movie. I mean, just listen to this. So yeah, he's standing right behind her with his knife drawn, just kind of tapping it on his chest like he could end her at any moment. Anyways, while she's on the laptop, her sister calls and starts talking to her, basically just to call and tell her, why are you so alone? I wish you'd come back to the city. And she gives this stupid bullcrap about, she's like, why do you live in isolation? And the deaf girl Maggie's like, well... I didn't choose isolation. Isolation chose me because she can't talk or hear anything. And that's bullshit. That's total bullshit. Nobody's just going to cast you out if they truly care about you. Your sister cares about you. Nobody's going to cast you out because like, Ugh, fuck a dumb bitch can't hear me now whenever I'm asking for toilet paper in the bathroom. Fucking send her in exile. Just get her out of here. She's basically useless. No. So cut that fucking... I'm in isolation bullshit. You're not. You're choosing to be this because you're spiteful and a dick. <laughs> but anyways, so she's on the phone with her and she's talking about how lonely she is. And she goes, "Is who's there? 
Who was that? Behind you, I thought I saw something move. I thought I saw someone move, but I know you're, like, totally alone with nobody who really cares about you out there. So just in case anyone's listening, nobody knows where she is, and she's completely isolated. <laughs> like, it's so dumb that they make sure to make that such a big point. But the next part is where shit kind of starts to hit the fan, because as she gets her clearly audible text tones on her computer because it's an iMac she realizes she has a message from Maggie's phone which is her phone and she opens it to see pictures of her currently sitting there as she's just kind of going about her day and this would freak me out pretty badly <laughs> And the last picture there is actually from her front door, which also, she has three doors at the front of her house, which are all glass. I, some people might think it looks cool. I think that's too much invasion. <laughs> like, I know you're out in the middle of nowhere, but if somebody stumbles across your house, they can see literally anything you're doing at any time of the day. So if you want to walk around the house and just your ripped up boxers to show your butt crack, you can't do that because somebody might come by and it might be a kid and then you could be convicted as a pedophile or a sex offender. But anyway, she walks up to the front door, which is wide open by the way, and notices there's a guy standing out there. As soon as I would have seen this, I would have lost my shit. <laughs> I would have been running to the door to lock it. That's what she does. She runs to the door to lock it. But I'd be like, fuck, 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 fuck. And look, I understand she she can't say that. But I, I, I just see myself panicking. Just absolutely losing my shit. And so now, she realizes she's kind of in deep shit. All she knows is this guy in a mask is taking photos of her and standing outside of her house looking really weird. And anybody who wears a mask ain't got good intentions. <laughs> so, now she's like, okay, well, shit, this guy's gonna kill me. And so she, honestly, to her credit, it's not a bad strategy. She uses her makeup lipstick thing and writes, basically, didn't see your face, won't tell anyone boyfriend will be home soon but there's only a couple problems with that can you read my lips can you you've seen it now haven't you Here 
seriously, Maddie. Maybe you could come back and live with me. You know, I worry about you. It's not good for anyone to be so alone, Squish. So thanks, sis. <laughs> thanks for that. So he knows she's alone. He knows that, basically, there's no reason for him to leave her alive. He just took off his mask, which he stated in the beginning of that, because he's like, oh, you see it now. So there's no reason for him to leave. So now she kind of goes into panic mode. He starts walking around because... Creepy dude. <laughs> and so she starts... She goes into the kitchen, gets a knife, and gets a hammer. Goes into the back room. She puts a dresser in front of the door. It seems heavy when she pushes it at first. And she's sitting there. And she notices on the window right next to her, she sees a shadow. And so she kind of starts to look and see what the shadow's doing. And... So as you know, you can't see anything, so I have to describe this to you. So yeah, he's banging on the window, but not with his hand. He's actually using Sarah's dead body, which to me seems like extra, but I guess. And he just kind of leaves her body there. And at this point, Maggie remembers that Sarah had a phone on her, and it's in her back pocket. And she's like, well, if I get her phone, I can call the cops. So she actually comes up with a pretty good... She has some good moments in this movie, I'm not going to lie. She's not completely useless for now. <laughs> but she decides to get her car keys, and she goes all the way to the front of the house and basically tries to, like, go all the way out to the car to use her, like, beep-beep-boop thing, her car key fob. Because at this point, she's already watched him slash the tires. So using the car is not gonna happen and so she manages to stick her arm outside of her door far enough and hits the thing and the alarm goes off and he comes running around to check what's going on and so she uses this moment to go back to her friend's dead body and start looking for the phone and starts like checking your pants and everything trying to find the phone and she can't hear him if he comes back so he turns off the alarm on the car and he runs back to the back of the house and sees she's reaching for stuff and he runs towards the window and she get, just barely gets back inside and she goes to shut the door, not door, window, and it's like on his hands for a second. And she, obviously she's not strong enough to catch it or push it down on him because he's, I guess, yoked or something. And she sees a hammer on the ground. And so she lets go of the window real fast, reaches down, grabs the hammer, and he, it's like coming back into the window and she swings the hammer and just digs the hook side right into his arm and let's go of it, so she lost her hammer now, but like just plunges that thing into his arm and just, just take a good listen to this. Get shit on! Get shit on! Kind of. You, you hit him in the arm, so I mean, good job. He's still ahead of the curve. But now she gets the great idea that she's going to try to sneak out. 
So she goes out the front door while he's still circling the house because that's what he's doing. And for some reason, she has this grand idea that she needs to get out of the house and that'll be safer, even though she couldn't hear him if she was outside. So he would have the advantage. And I mean, it's like in the middle of August or something because there's leaves all over the ground. And just listen how loud he is whenever he walks around. yeah it's loud as shit like this seems like a terrible idea to try to go anywhere and so now he walks off and she decides she's gonna bolt for it and as soon as she does she gets a bolt shot at her with his crossbow he misses for some reason and so she's like well guess that's not gonna work and runs back to the house and he almost shoots her again but misses so now she's got to think of something else. So she goes upstairs, she goes out the window. Again, I don't see why she's trying to, like, leave. She's safer in the house to just kind of hold up, let him try to come to you, and fight him or do something. Like, I understand you can't hear, but there's only so much you can do if you post yourself up somewhere. And so now she decides she's going to go onto the roof. She takes her flashlight, she throws it, like, way off in the distance to create a diversion, which she's already done, so he's probably gonna catch on to it. And so she's like, okay, now I'm gonna climb down this, because she's got that, like, old-fashioned vine rack thing where it has, like, the layers or whatever, and you can kind of climb down it. She starts climbing down, and then, well, basically what you think would happen. Oi, I used to be a main character like you, until I took an arrow to the thigh. Yeah, she gets shot in the thigh, because why not? Like, what did you think was gonna happen? Her writer's brain isn't apparently thinking things ahead. So now she took a bolt right to the thigh, pretty deep too. And so he starts climbing up the thing to get to her, and she surprises him by, like, hitting him, and she takes his crossbow, and now she's stuck on the roof with her leg bleeding and he's like well i'm just gonna climb back up there and get you now and so she starts running back to the window throws in the crossbow gets in shuts the window before he gets to her so big props to her he's got she's got a crossbow now and he doesn't so good job but now this has to be the dumbest well one of the dumbest parts of the movie so now she has the hole in her leg from the crossbow and she's in her bathroom, and it seems like she's getting ready to nurse the wound. And you would think, oh, she's probably just going to tie it up, slow the bleeding and all that. No. She puts rubbing alcohol on it. Just, just listen to this pure genius moment by her. Congratulations, you put alcohol on your wound. Good job. But I don't think infection is what you should be worried about at the moment. You kind of have a guy walking around your house trying to kill you. I'd be more worried about losing blood or the guy trying to kill you. 
not the fact that I might get tetanus. That's not too high on my list of priorities at the moment. So now she's got the crossbow and she decides, oh, I'm going to try to get the crossbow going. And she tries to do it. And if any of y'all have ever used a crossbow before, you know it can be hard as a bitch to pull that string back. And so she keeps pulling it back. She's like cutting up her fingers because she apparently doesn't own anything that she can put over her fingers to try to pull it. So yeah, she keeps doing that. And he's, he's just watching her through the window like, <laughs> fucking idiot. But while he's watching her, he hears this knocking at the front door, and it's the husband of the of the girl who came over earlier, Sarah. So this is actually John, and he's a he's a big dude, like big big dude. He's like yoked and shit, like not a guy you'd want to get in a fight with. But he's like knocking and stuff, and he's calling for Sarah, and just just generally shows up. And uh, I mean, I know you can't see how big he is from this audio clip, but just just. Imagine with your imagination. Sarah? See, that's the voice of about a six foot three, 230 pound linebacker built mountain looking motherfucker, dude. He's a big dude. Like, and the guy who's wearing the mask, he's like your average size, maybe a little sh under average height, too. So he's not like gonna overpower anybody. So, the guy runs around and he's like, freeze, put it down, and he's like, he has the flashlight at him, and he basically makes it seem like he's a cop talking about how he got a call about a report. Basically, the husband starts putting two and two together, he's like, well, she couldn't have called, she's deaf and mute, and noticing that he dropped something out of his pocket when he gave the phone back to him because the guy supposedly called the sheriff because he doesn't have any of his stuff, and he notices that his wife's earring fell off like out of his pocket and he puts two and two together and so he starts talking to him and he's he gets this plan that he's gonna bash him over the back of the head with a rock and just as soon as he goes to do it congratulations fuck you maggie you got your one chance of not dying killed because she distracts him, and Mr. McFuckface just jabs him in the neck with a knife, like right into the jugular. And basically, they kind of struggle for a little bit. And he ends up bleeding out. And so now, Maggie gets the great idea to run out again, because she can somehow just Usain Bolt this shit. And so far, we've had two deaths, so... Think you know what's coming up now. So yes, he bashes her brain in number three. Actually, not really, because this was just one of those good old... Oh, it's just her writer's brain. She's thinking up things that she can do, but she couldn't, you know, use her writer's brain to not try to get the guy's attention when she saw that he had a rock behind him about to hit the guy. Yeah, your fucking writer's brain is pretty shit. Your writer's brain is looking out for one person and one person only, and you got my boy fucking John killed. So thanks, dick. But no, she's alive. And because of her writer's brain, she starts to get voices in her head. 
and she's going through all the different things that she can do to try to survive and she comes up with this can't run i can't hide and we can't wait you go outside you are dead too many endings they're all the same all the same which means there's only one ending he won't expect can't run, hide, or wait, what does that leave? So unless you have some sort of sixth sense or are very good at predicting movies, she, I don't know why she does it, but she motions out the, using her sign language, she motions out, kill him. Which, I don't know why you couldn't just do that in your head. Like, who are you motioning to? Like, I get it. It's cool because of the whole ASL thing and using sign language and being badass. But it's like, it would be the equivalent of somebody's trying to break into my house. And I'm sitting there. And he's just outside. He just killed my one hope of surviving. I'm sitting there. I'm like, what can I do? Fucking shoot his ass. (laughs) <laughs> like like I said it's cool but weird in context and so now he's just kind of dicking around outside and remember the cat from earlier where he it's a she's an independent cat she kind of does whatever and he's sitting out there and he rolls up and <sighs> I know number three may not have been earlier but Down to the front. Gotcha twice now. The cat survives. Let's go. That's the person I've been rooting for besides John. So let's go, cat. The cat is alive because she used her one crossbow arrow shot to shoot him. And shot him in the shoulder. (laughs) Like, I know you don't know how to use a crossbow that much, but focus on the mid-line. Like, he wasn't even turned away from her for the most part. Just aim mid-line. And she somehow misjudged it and hit him in the shoulder. So now he's pissed and he chases after her and she runs inside, but she drops the last bolt for the crossbow and she reaches out through the door to grab it and he shuts the door on her hand and proceeds to just curb stomp the fuck out of it. Now I'm having second thoughts as to why I left that in here. That's kind of gruesome. But yeah, he basically just American History X styles that hand and just stomps the hell out of it. And it's at the end, it's looking like a hand that was drawn by a two-year-old. It's bent in ways that it should not be bent. So now she only has one hand and one leg. And he's sitting there. He's like, I'm going to get you now and everything. And so she basically has this come to Jesus moment. She's looking at him. She sticks her non-mangled hand into her open wound that she, you know, disinfected because that was so important. But she sticks her finger in there and starts writing on the window. And she says, come and get me. And then under it, she writes coward as in like a fuck you, bitch boy. 
but like the way that she's writing it's like her finger is a retractable pen because it just keeps going if you trust me if you've ever smeared anything on anything with your finger it'll go for a little bit and she did that for the come and get me but for the for the coward part she's just like like she's writing with an expo i'm like you would not have had that much blood on your finger to do that so now he's like i bet so he goes and gets this crowbar starts bashing on the on the window to get in which by the way i know i shit on the doors earlier about them all being glass but they are pretty strong because he puts a couple good wax into this and while he's doing that she starts typing on the computer his entire description which is smart because if she dies then now the computer can help identify him a little bit and she basically writes to her parents and her sister i just want you to know i died fighting so pretty cool so now she decides to do what i've been saying the entire time and she goes and hides in the bathroom, which the bathroom also for some reason has like three different windows. One that's right above her tub, which is in the middle of the bathroom for some reason. And so he breaks the window. She can't tell because she's still deaf. And you see him kind of slowly creep in behind her. And he starts talking and he's like getting ready to stab her, but he gets a little too cocky with it. I think you're holding out on me. I bet if I hit the right spot, I can make you scream. And so as he's sitting there giving his James Bond evil plan description, he that little chuckle he gives moves the hair on the back of her neck and so she does this dope ass like drop the knife turn as he's going to stab it slices her shoulder a little bit but she turns and stabs him not in the neck not in the side not in the head but in the leg <laughs> which i know there's vital organs in the leg but she just kind of stabs his leg and of course it doesn't feel nice at all and he's like and so she leaves the bathroom and starts going but now she's losing a lot of blood she's getting wobbly makes it to the kitchen and she's just kind of sitting there and he starts hobbling out after her and he thinks he's got the drop on her she's sitting there looking like she's about to die and until this happens you fucking cunt Get maced with hornet spray, bitch. So now he can't see shit. And then she turns on her fire alarm, which is as loud as fuck, as you could tell earlier in the podcast. So I hope I turned it down enough, or else you're basically going to be him at this moment. And so he can't see, can't hear. The thing is flashing, because it has to flash so she notices what's going on. And so he has no idea what's going on. They start struggling. And he gets the better of her. He's got her pinned down, and he's, like, starting to choke her, and he's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And just out of her reach is this, like, wine bottle opener. And she's reaching for it, and it's still going off. She's starting to lose consciousness. And somehow her arm, like in every movie ever, extend go-go gadget extendo arm, and she's able to reach the wine opener. And we get 
la piste de résistance. So yeah, fucker's dead. Hashtag got him. He is fucking dead. So now she uses the phone, types in 911 and all that. And basically for the most part it's over. It ends with her sitting on her front porch with her cat next to her. You see the police lights start flashing as they're driving up. She's just sitting there smiling, which is going to be terrible optics for the cops. Because she wasn't able to tell them what's going on, I would think. And because all she did was call them. And so they come out to the house and all they're going to see is this lady smiling on the porch with three dead bodies in the house. But, and she's not even really going to be able to communicate with them unless they know ASL, which I highly doubt it. So that's, that's the end of the movie. That is the end of Hush. A movie about a deaf girl who is a writer who is being stalked by a serial, well, I guess a serial killer, and uh, has a, a brain that can think of all the different scenarios except for the right ones. So, yeah. I thought it was alright. thought it was interesting. I, like I said, I watched this with my girlfriend, and she was also very critical of it at multiple times. She's the one who brought up the phone thing. And how a lot of it, you gotta realize the dude's kinda gonna start figuring stuff out. Like with the whole flashlight thing, she's like, he did that earlier. Or, she did that earlier. What well, makes her think that he's gonna fall for it again. Basically, we both kind of agreed that she could have done better. Especially if she's got such the writer's brain that's going on. But, she didn't. And thus we get this movie. So yeah. Like I said, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was terrible. But let's get more into the ratings. I'm going to try to talk about what I did last time and get it into the three categories. We have the acting, we have the plot, we have the cinematography. The acting... The acting wasn't terrible. I liked the serial killer a lot. He was very charismatic, which some serial killers kind of have that tendency. And I know you're probably wondering, what do you mean charismatic? He was asking if she could... If he could see her lips or read his lips and all that. But no, when he was talking to John, he actually managed to fool him for a little bit, thinking he was a cop by talking to him, even though he's got this massive neck tattoo, which seems really out of place. But, you know, I thought he did a really good job. He doesn't have a name for his part. He's just the guy. <laughs> but the thing about it, it was played by John Gallagher Jr., who I feel like did a really good job. Kate... Seigel or Seagull? Squaw! <laughs> I don't know. Uh, she played Maddie. She did an alright job. I, I, I could believe the fact that she was deaf. I also appreciate that it probably took a while to get the ASL down, so bonus points for that. I liked Michael Truco as John. He did a good job. Samantha Sloyan as Sarah. She did a pretty good job for the small amount that she was in the movie. 
uh, really made me think she was dying. And then Emma Graves, who was the sister who was like, uh, Maddie, why you gotta be so lonely and out in the middle of nowhere? Like, you're the perfect person for a serial killer to try to murder. But besides that, I feel like everyone did a pretty good job. I wasn't blown away by it, but they weren't terrible. They kept me in the movie. Now we get to the plot. The plot has holes. I will say that. Like I said earlier, I don't understand why she kept trying to get out of the house. That makes no sense whatsoever. Stay in the house, post up, get big in the paint, and get ready for some smashing grab. <laughs> like, that's just the way it is. But she decides not to do that. And it goes on all these different scenarios in which she's wrong on all of them until the very end for some reason. But now... Like I said, I feel like she could have had a better thought process if it was so highly touted that she was able to think of endings that no one else was able to think of because she was able to put a twist ending in her book. So I think lazy. Well, not lazy, but I think it was stupid that they thought that she would be better off in the fucking forest because great idea. The beginning of it, same old, same old. I still think the whole point about her being quote-unquote isolated is stupid because nobody isolated her. She isolated her. So stop blaming people for the fact that you're quote-unquote isolated. Grow the fuck up. You can't talk. You can't hear shit. But you can grow up and be a fucking big girl and stop bitching about the fact that people isolated you when they clearly want you to come back home. So yeah, shut up with that. In the end... I don't know. I feel like if she was... She tried so many other things before that didn't work. The fact that she was now able to kind of put everything together. I mean, I guess trial and error. But she seemed really calm for the final fight. Which, I don't know, maybe that's a thing that happens to some people when they're being brutally murdered over the course of like an hour and a half. They finally buckle up and come to this come to Jesus moment where they're gonna fight the fuck out of the person I don't know I've never been in that situation and I hope to never be in that situation but I thought that was a bit you know out there so now uh, the plot uh, my overall rating wasn't great I feel like they were trying to push this heroine and she did a decent job like I said the acting was fine it's just the plot doesn't didn't always make sense. And the cinematography. The cinematography was good. They did a good job kind of showing the different ins and outs of the house. Kind of got a good track of where the guy was. It wasn't anything fancy schmancy. Like in last week's episode with Old, it was very straightforward horror movie-esque. But it wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. It looks really nice. They put a lot of money into production. There's a couple dark moments, but nothing too dark to where you can't tell what's going on. And overall, I think they did a, a very good job with the cinematography. So, that brings us now to my overall rating. Let me go ahead and remind you before I give my rating, IMDb gave this movie a 6.6 .6 out of 10. It has a 67 Metascore. And I will actually look up Rotten Tomatoes real fast. And the Rotten Tomato ranking for this movie was a 93% on the tomato meter and a 73% on the audience score. So, the whole tomato meter, 
which is the critics. I feel like they put it way too high up there because of, oh, the fact that she can't hear. It's a strong, independent woman. And it shows the difficulties of people who are hearing impaired. And it's just so fascinating of how strong she is. Then the audience score is like, dumb bitch could have done anything better than what she did. And that's how I feel. Like, they didn't say it was terrible, but it's not great either. And I feel like even they went a bit high. But as you know, we don't do percentages on this podcast. We do straight up nuts to butts number rating on a 1 to 10 scale. So, let me remind you. IMDB gave Hush a 6.6. So we go to my rating. Last week's episode was old. I gave it somewhere around a 4. I am going to go ahead and give Hush, the 2016 R-rated horror movie. I am going to give it a 4. I'll just give it a 4. I feel like 4 is good enough. I'd never really connected with the main character that much. I appreciate the fact that they tried to go with something different and the fact that she was deaf and was more impaired, which would make it more difficult. But the overall plot is just so difficult to get over for me. Like, why does she, why is she so obsessed with leaving the house? That makes no sense. You're trying to put yourself at a disadvantage. That would be like me being at home and an intruder breaks in and I'm like, hmm, you know what? They've probably got it too easy. Let me shoot myself in the balls and then try to figure everything out. No, you're trying to make things harder for you, and that's all that it can be chalked up to be. So yeah, I'm giving it a straight up four, because I feel like the acting was alright. I really liked the guy. (laughs) He doesn't have a name, but I really liked the guy. I feel like he did a really good job, John Gallagher Jr. So John Gallagher Jr., if you hear this, fucking great job, dude. Uh, shout me out on Twitter. Do anything. You're a cool dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I liked him. I thought some of the acting was pretty good, but I feel like the overall plot just didn't make sense. I didn't think that it was worthy of too much praise. So, I'm sitting out of four, and that's where I'm going to leave it for this week's episode. As most of y'all know, we are saving our main episode on Thursday, which is also coming out the same day as this, and that will be our Thanksgiving special, so y'all get a little bit of a double dosage. Maybe I'll release this a day earlier, but I highly doubt it, because Thursday takes, but we'll see. It might be Wednesday. But I'm so glad to anyone who decided to stick around to this long. I feel like you stuck around too long already, and I'm greatly appreciative of everything that y'all decided to hang around with me, and just kind of see how see how this week's episode turned out and i am immensely grateful for that i'm immensely grateful to every single person who tunes in every week to listen to me talk about a movie or to listen to me and michael talk about a movie we are incredibly grateful we are finally getting some recognition in the podcasts i guess sphere (laughs) i don't know what to call it with anchor Anchor has been amazing to us. We are forever grateful and in their indentured servitude because of that. 
and a special thanks to my girlfriend and future wife Cheyenne for helping me review this movie and also explain that yes the main character was kind of fucking dumb <laughs> so thank you very much for helping me with that but that has been all for this week's episode of Tyler's Thursday Takes. I cannot wait to see y'all. Until next time, I must leave you with my favorite quote from this movie. <laughs> yeah, nobody can tell what I did. I just did a bunch of fucking hand signs. She's a, she's a what? <laughs> Bitch. <laughs>